This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to remind you, peace of mind is tough to come by these days unless you have a Liberty Safe. With a Liberty Safe, you won't worry when you leave the house because you'll know your valuables are protected. And right now, you can get free delivery to your home on any Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com for factory direct pricing. LibertySafe.com, made in the USA, lifetime warranty, and peace of mind. LibertySafe.com. Great show today. We've got a lot on our plate. Hey, Philadelphia has just become the first city outside of New York to uh, implement that soda tax. And I think we're headed headed in the right direction. New York, though, tried to do it. We're unable. It's only Berkeley, California is the only other one that actually has it. And and now Philadelphia. Brilliant. And not only regular, but diet sodas, too. Oh, Oh, yay! People of Philadelphia, you are lucky. You've got a great government, and your future looks as bright as Detroit. Well, I don't mean Detroit in the future. I mean Detroit now with all of the flames. Um, we also have Brad Meltzer. He is, uh, Brad is one of my favorite authors. He has a new house called, uh, a new book called The House of Secrets. Brad is a history buff uh, who just tells the greatest stories of all time. This one is about conspiracies. We begin there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Brad Belter, welcome to the program. New book, The House of Secrets. How are you doing, Brad? Good to hear you, my friend. Good to hear you. Now, um, you're one of my favorite guests and one of my favorite people because you love history as much as I do. Um, you know, you've got this, you've got a billion shows. You're, you know, you're far more successful and busy than, uh, than I'll ever be. Uh, and you're going to do all of the things that you really, really love. Now you've written a new a novel, which is, uh, would you say that's your root? Yeah, no, that's, uh, listen, that's my core place. Cause I love, I love when I get to write the kids books. I love when I get to do the TV shows on the history channel, but there's something about staring at a blank page and getting to kind of just fill and build the whole world. And that's how I met you. And, and I can only hope to be as successful as you one day, my friend. <laughs> right. Okay, so um, House of Secrets is a novel, and, and I love the premise. It's about a guy who, sounds familiar, does a TV show, but the TV show is on conspiracies, and he has a daughter. And tell a little bit that you care to from there. Sure, yeah, this daughter wakes, she's, uh, you know, 30 years old, she wakes up in a hospital, she has no memory, and she finds out there's been an accident that's killed her father, who's the host, as you said, of a conspiracy TV show, just like my life, but the FBI tells her that the last person her father was seen with was actually also found dead, and he had an object stuffed into his body, a priceless book that belonged to Benedict Arnold. And from there, because her memory's messed up, she goes home, she finds guns in her house, she doesn't know how they got there, she finds scars on her body, she doesn't know where they're from. And only by solving this murder can she figure out what happened to her father and also who she really is. She's the mystery of the book. And that's where the House of Secrets opens. 
But of course, what I love, and you know I love, is filling the book. Even though it's a thriller, but my favorite books are where I feel like I learn something while I'm being entertained. So I fill it with real history. Yeah, that's what I love about your books is I, I spend... Um, I spent a lot of time reading your books with uh, the uh, iPad next to me going, that can't be right, and looking it up and going, holy cow, and then going down a wormhole of history for a while and then back to your book. I love that. So and the look, book with... And, and, yeah, and, that, and that, listen, that's the goal. The, um, the book with Benedict Arnold, true, false? So here's, here's my obsession. So I'm in the National Archives uh, many years ago. They take me to one of their treasure vaults. And in the treasure vault, they hand me a sheet of paper, and the sheet of paper is from the Revolutionary War, and on the top of the sheet of paper it says it's an oath of allegiance. And what oaths of allegiance were is George Washington, during the Revolutionary War, would have all of his top uh, military advisors sign an oath of allegiance, saying, I do solemnly swear I will be forever true to this country. And we do it with our military today. You raise your right hand when you join the military, you say, I, I swear I will you know, be loyal and faithful. And the one they hand me, Glenn, is, they're all numbered yeah, in the corner, one, two, three, four... The fifth one is signed by a guy named Benedict Arnold. Wow. And I just, um, you know, in that moment, Benedict Arnold's alive again. And here's the true part. The last moments between Benedict Arnold and George Washington are some of the most heartbreaking in U.S. history. And our hero, George Washington, they say it's one of the only times, because these two guys were friends, they say it's one of the only times anyone ever sees George Washington cry. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't shake that image of George Washington crying. And then here's the scariest true part, is after the betrayal... Benedict Arnold sends a letter to George Washington asking for three things. And the letter says, one, don't kill my wife. She didn't know I was a traitor. Two, don't kill the staff. They didn't know I was a traitor. And three, in one of the craziest moments of letter-writing history, he says, can you please send me back my belongings and my clothing? And this guy just put a knife in the back of George Washington. But George Washington is such a stand-up guy, he actually sends it back. He wants his stuff back. And here's the thing, and this is all true is that to this day, Glenn, nobody knows what is in that baggage that George Washington sent back to Benedict Arnold. And I won't ruin Chapter 85 of the House of Secrets, but you'll see at least one theory in there. How sure of the theory are you? Um, you know, it's an interesting one, and I'll tell you a little bit of it, and we should talk about it. Is there is a, it's, a, it's, you know, it is, and, and I, my belief is in this world is you can take any theory and turn it into a conspiracy theory. Um, and that's how they, you know, generally go. Mm-hmm. The theory that I'm looking at here, um, I don't know, and I'm always honest about that. What I love about what we do on Decoded is, to me, what our job is, is to find the hardest story of all, and that's to find the truth. Because, and you know, you're someone who values that truth. We all have the Library of Alexandria in our pockets these days. We have more access to information than any culture before us, but the hardest thing to find today is the true story. Go put you know, George Washington even, into Google, and sometimes it can take you pages before you can find a true story beyond the exaggerations of cherry trees and all this other nonsense. And what I love to do in my books, even though they're fiction and they're thrillers and you're supposed to, for Father's Day, you know, turn the pages, the fun is, is those stories you see of Benedict Arnold that I put in there and of his relationship with George Washington, those are real, and those I know for sure. And that's the fun of, of when you get to read The House of Secrets. How concerned are you, um, for instance, uh, JFK, as we're sitting on the set uh, here at the studios, the set that was originally built for Oliver Stone for the movie JFK. So many people look at that as absolutely true now, uh, that that's probably what happened, and, you know, that, that's, that's true. That's um, what, it terrifies me. 
Right. I mean, we're a, 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 um, a culture now that when I was at CNN, Brad, when we first met, I remember saying that there is going to come a time where you won't believe your eyes, you won't know what to believe, and conspiracy theories will rocket through the ceiling. This is, you know, probably 2006. And I said there's going to come a time to where you know, people won't believe that we even walked on the moon. At the time I said that, the people who believed we did not walk on the moon was 7%. That number is now over 13%. In just a few short years, that number has doubled. With the amount of information that we have, we are actually disproving things that we knew to be true, and conspiracies are everywhere. And, then, you know, and you're hitting it right on the head. You know what? what that terrifies me, right? People think that JFK was a true story. They don't realize if you actually look at the interviews with Oliver Stone, he said, oh, yeah, I made that part up because he was mad about the Warren Commission. He was like, I'm going to put other things, other lies the opposite way to even things out. And that's what people think is a history book. They look at that movie and see it. And, and what you're hitting even more on the head is conspiracies used to be a fringe idea. They were, you know, people would go in their garage on the weekends, they would run off a pamphlet, and they would print it out and hope someone would do it. Right now, you have, they're not, they're not some fringe idea anymore. They're the mainstream. You have a guy, I mean, let's look at who's running for president. You have a guy like Donald Trump who uses them as, in his campaign for president. You know, he talks about Ted Cruz being with Oswald, Lee Harvey Oswald, I mean, and ruthlessly using these things um, that have no basis in fact, but just in this culture we are in today, because you repeat it enough, people sadly start to believe it. And well, it, people it, it, it with, with Ted crazy. Cruz in with Ted Cruz in particular, and it had nothing to do with Donald Trump. There was the conspiracy that he was the Zodiac killer. Right, he was a Zodiac killer. You have you have Hillary Clinton saying that she's going to open up Area 51 to talk about about uh, alien life. You have the three P. You know, people who are running for the presidency. We're openly talking about conspiracies and something that would have never give, been given credence anywhere before. And I think what happens is is the culture doesn't care about the true story anymore. They just want a juicy story. And it's really bad for our culture. It's a terrible thing. Because you know what? Conspiracies, and I just believe this to my core, every conspiracy uh, and conspiracy theory is based on one thing. It's based on fear. And when you play on people's fears, like what you watch Trump doing now, what he's really doing is, you know, he acts like he's giving us information. Oh, I'm going to tell you the inside story. But what he's really doing is, is like, you know, sitting there with a, at a fire and stoking fear. And it, it's one of those things that becomes really dangerous because then what you're doing is you're doing the worst thing of all, which is your fear mongering. And when, I, when we were doing Decoded, when we first started doing the show, I remember one of the producers said to me that when you have a show like this, the less facts you have, the more scary music you have and the more scary music you play. And I said, I never want to do that show. And I fear that right now what politicians are doing um, is they're playing that scary music. And they're using that to get people riled up. And it's just dangerous for, for our country. Why do you say that, Brad? Well, I just think that, you know, what happens is, is and, and the best way to say it is, there's an industry of conspiracy right now. It just becomes a better story. And I think what it undoes is we start looking, when you start going away from the truth, you start, you, 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 it literally is, as you said before, it's down a rabbit hole. And so what happens is, is people start, you, you lose what really happened. You lose what, what is beautiful about the country. And instead, you just start looking for whatever crazy stories out there. And if you follow a Pied Piper who's going to lead you with falsehoods, guess where it's going to take you? Only to more of them. And it's only to me going to lead 
um, when you have someone who is, is constantly saying things that are based around conspiracy theories and acting like they're the truth, it's not only being unfair, it's being reckless. And, it's not, well, and, and that's just crazy to me. He's not the only one doing it. I mean, if you look, Hillary was, was chastising him the other day for being, you know, believing in conspiracy theories. And she said, you know, he was the, he was the chief or he was the head of, um, of the birther movement. Well, but it was Hillary Clinton's team that actually came up with the birther idea in the first place. Now, she never did it, but it came from her team. She's the one who said, well, you know who that shooter was in Benghazi? That, that was because of a film. Uh, and a lot of people believe that. I mean, they are writing their own conspiracy theories. Well, and that's what happened. You know, in our culture today, it used to be, again, as we were saying, you, you, know, you run off your little pamphlet. When we all have a printing press in our pocket, when we all have a phone and we can put anything out there, what happens is we get drowned in noise. And, you know, sometimes, listen, I believe it's wonderful for us to always ask questions. I think that it's great, and I think that America can always, a, a reporter that I respect, and, and that's a small group, uh, once said to me that America can smell the truth, that eventually when someone's lying to them, be it a politician, be it a celebrity or anyone else, he said they'll all, they know when they're being lied to and they'll sniff for the truth. I remember when Tiger Woods' incident happened, he said, you know, Tiger Woods came out and said, oh, I backed up into this fire hydrant. And people just were like, oh, that doesn't seem right to me. And they just kept digging for no reason. Everyone said it was true. But they just smelled something, and they dig and dig and dig, and then find out, hey, wait, that was a golf club in your windshield. You know, that was a golf club in the front of your car. And that's what happened. So, but, but the problem is, is when you have people who are just putting wrong information out there, we, we get further and further away from the truth. And that's not a good thing. Okay, real quick. Uh, I, 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 I've got to go up against a network break, but I, I just want to ask you um, about that, that we sniff the truth. Do you still believe that? Or have we just decided we're going to accept the things that we know aren't true? Uh, you know what, let's look, keep look, talking about it. I mean, I, you know, and I want to talk to you also about, like, when I, worked, when I went to work for Homeland Security. I mean, when you go into the government, what they believe to be true and what they act on can sometimes be two different things. And depending on who's there, that's the kind of thing that's going to matter. That's the kind of thing that's going to be important. We don't really know. And if you don't take care to watch for it, it that, that is going to be taken away from you. The truth can be buried. And so the, when, more, the more you layer on those conspiracies, the more we lose our history. Talking to uh, Brad Belter, he's the uh, author of the book The House of Secrets. It's a great novel for Father's Day. Um, Brad, real quick, let me just uh, end with this. Um, you were, you know, you helped with the uh, Department of Homeland Security, and uh, you've been watching what's going on. Look at how, not necessarily a conspiracy theory, um, look how the truth is not being told on what happened in Orlando, and look how fast we've lost control of the truth. Oh, I mean, that's what happens over and over again. In fact, one of the, I was talking to a military intelligence officer when I was researching the book, and I said, where does, Ameri- where does the United States government, where do we get our best information and intel? Where does the truth come from? And he said, he told me this story, the true story about a dictator many years ago who hated the United States. And this dictator, what no one knew through one of his top lieutenants, was secretly working for the U.S., was secretly a spy for America. And I said to him, why is he doing that? He said, for the most human reason of all, for family. He said the lieutenant had a sick child who needed the kind of medical care that only the United States could provide. And so we gave the kid medical care. In exchange, we got help with finding weapons from terrorist organizations. Um, But this guy hated us to the very end, and that was our source there. 
And it's one of those things where, you know, we have no idea what the truth is. Here's the great enemy at our time is secretly on our side. And does that make us traitors? Does that make the government traitors? Um, it depends what they're doing for. Is there a greater good out there? That's the kind, you know, we, we have Clinton and Trump today yell at each other in these black and white terms of, you're bad, I'm good. But that's the kind of real issue that crosses a president's desk. It's a moral issue, right? Can we work? Someone said to me, would you work with bin Laden, if, with one of his top lieutenants, if you could stop 9-11? And I would in a heartbeat. But that's a moral question. And, and is there a greater good for the United States to work with our enemies? And when you elect our president, when our president gets elected, that's the kind of hard question that crosses a president's desk. It's not black and white. It's not easy. Right. And when you answer it, it decides who we are as a people. And that's why it's so important you pick someone who is peddling truth and not conspiracy theories. The, the name of the book is The House of Secrets, Great Present for Father's Day, The House of Secrets by Brad Meltzer. It's on, uh, it's on sale now. You can buy it wherever books are sold, including uh, Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. Brad, as, as always, great to talk to you. Thank you so always, much. Always, my friend. Thank you. You bet. Bye-bye. Um, now this, Liberty Safe. How do you protect your guns? How do you protect your valuables? My grandfather used to keep his, um, his rifles and all of his guns um, well, when they weren't on the, the back window of the truck in the gun rack, they were in a gun rack that had a door but didn't have a lock. It had a glass door on it, and he would just put them up in the, um, in the porch or the, the sunroom, if you will. Um, that's how we used to do it. Now, God forbid, now you, we actually live in a, in a time and a place where we actually need safes. You need safes for your guns. You need safes for um, anything, even your pictures, fire. Boy, that's the one thing that would kill me to lose in our house is all of the memories and all of the pictures. That's why we have a Liberty Safe. The more valuables you want to uh, protect, the bigger the safe needs to be, but they have them from gigantic uh, to uh, little teeny handgun vaults. Liberty Safe. You'll see how safe they are. They do the explosion test, the torture test, the crash test, and you can watch these videos. Rafe and I like to watch them ourselves just on a Saturday, lazy Saturday afternoon. LibertySafe.com. That's LibertySafe.com. The only safe I would trust and do trust is LibertySafe.com. Glenn Beck. Listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. This is too tough to do it alone. But you know what? I think I'm going to be forced to. I think I'm going to be forced to. 
our leaders have to get a lot tougher. And be quiet. Just please be quiet. Don't talk. Please be quiet. Just be quiet to the leaders. Because they have to get tougher. They have to get sharper. They have to get smarter. We have to have our Republicans either stick together or let me just do it by myself. I'll do very well. I'm going to do very well. Okay? Okay. I'm going to do very well. A lot of people well. thought I should do that anyway. Mm. Well, let's okay. see. Good day. Well, I mean, it's amazing that his crowd who bashes us for not supporting him cheer when he says, I have to do it alone. Um, And I have no problem with that. Do do that alone. Again, he's not asking for any help. Um, I have a prediction. Anybody want to hear the prediction uh, that uh, I I think is it's now starting to go around? I said it, I think, about two, three weeks ago on the air. And I saw it yesterday in Vanity Fair. And I think it's absolutely right. What is it? Depends on how much doom it is. (laughs) Donald Trump is in this for a television network. Oh, are we- he is he is going to start he's going to either bow out or lose and he is going to start the Trump television network. Now, we said I know, Jeffy, we talked about this how, how long ago? Months ago. Yeah. Um it's it's absolutely I I heard this rumor and rumbling, I don't even know. I don't know how long ago. And it came with enough credibility of people who said he's he's sniffing around. He's putting together a television network and he's sniffing around to combat fox uh vanity fair says it's happening trump's people say it's absolutely not this has been in the works for a while i'm telling you it i'm telling you it is gonna happen assuming he doesn't win the presidency this is the glenn beck program mercury I have to play this epic rant from Howard Stern on gun control. Listen to this. What if I went up to the sheep and I said, you want to have a shot at the wolves? I'm going to give you a pistol. You can actually even the playing field with these wolves whose fangs are out. You could shoot them and save your family well, bah, we're not going to do that. We don't want to fight back. He didn't hurt us. He only hurt the family down the street. And the and the shepherd will protect us. The sheepdogs are out there. They'll protect us. Well, the sheepdogs are protecting you, but some of them can't be with you. Well, they, there's not a sheepdog for every citizen, and a wolf is still eating one of you every night. Bah, I know what. Let's remove all the guns from the sheep. What? There's an idea. Let's take back all the guns from the people who might be willing to shoot the wolves. So then you go, wait a second. What if we had a completely gun-free zone? Now, I'm going to tell you about the most gun-free zone on the planet. It happened during 9-11. It was on a plane. You know, you can't get a gun on a plane. It's completely gun-free. So what did the wolves do? They said, this is great. We'll just kill the sheep with box cutters. They went on the plane with box cutters. And all the sheep went... Now, if there had been an air marshal on that plane, a whole 
other thing would have gone down. There wouldn't have been no 9-11. See, the wolves are always plotting. They'll use box cutters. They'll use an airplane and fly it right into a building. They don't need, they don't need AR-15s. In this case, they used one, but... Now, you know, Nazi Germany, which, by the way, didn't happen a thousand years ago. It happened within my dad's lifetime. It's not, not that long ago. Can you imagine if the Jews, in the, at least when the Nazis were banging on the door, if they had a couple of pistols and AR-15s to fight the Nazis? Van Frank's father had a gun? Maybe at least he could have taken a few Nazis out. Now... Why would the sheep say, oh, we've got an answer to all the terrorism, all these bad wolves that are coming after us? We'll hand in all our guns. We're going to hand them in. You know who will protect us? The government. Or, or the police. That's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. <laughs> now, I don't like violence. I don't like any of this stuff. But I consider myself a sheep, and I want the police to protect me. I support the police, and I want the government to protect me. But guess what? Most of your politicians, as Brent can tell you, all have private security. Oh, yes. You know, that's why Brent ran for office. He wanted some, <laughs> he private, wanted, he wanted security. some private security. So they're okay. <laughs> Those are sheep that are very well protected. You, on the other hand, you're a sitting duck. And uh, well, I'll say to you, if you're a sitting duck, well, do, do you want a fighting chance or not? Mm. It's not only that they have private security, a lot of them, a lot of them, Chuck Schumer comes to mind. I believe Chuck has one. I believe Mayor Bloomberg has one. They carry weapons. They own guns. And they walk around armed. Why? Because they're the mayor. They, they have special need. Why? Because they're, they're, they're a senator. They have a special need. I have to have a gun. But you in New York? No, you can't have a gun. You can't have a gun. No, no, no. The no. mayor can carry a gun, but not you. He, The mayor can carry a gun and tell everybody he's for gun control. No guns in New York. But he can be surrounded by people who are carrying guns, and he can carry a gun himself. Uh, it, 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 it. Howard is exactly right. We're sheep. And if, if you had sheep that were armed, that were willing to shoot the wolf, you know the other sheep would look at those sheep and say, why are you calling? You're causing all the problem with the wolves. If you just turn in, you, they're only coming after us because of you. Let the shepherd do all of the work. And they'd be dead. Yeah, I mean, Obama yesterday was saying, you know, he was with, after meeting with the families, in Orlando, saying, well, uh, anyone who's against gun control, I want you to talk to these families. Uh, you know, obviously, first of all, using the families for his political nonsense is infuriating. But, I mean, wouldn't those families choose, if possible, to, wouldn't they say, you know what, I, I, God, if, we, if I could put a gun in my son or, or daughter's hands in the middle of that massacre... That's exactly what I would say to those families. I would love. I had a chance to talk. But you to know them. what? I I really think we need to we need to have a, we need to go to the range and we need to take a bunch of people who have never shot a gun before. That's scary for them, though. 
<laughs> oh yeah, well that one guy. It'll be a Daily joy. News. It will be a joy. Oh, oh yeah. No. Did you see that Daily oh, News yeah. guy? Bruised his shoulder. Bruised his shoulder. That's because you're a moron. It was loud. <laughs> it scared me. He said he had P- PTSD. Yeah. yeah temporary. From firing. Temporary PTSD. You know what? You are Solitary. a you are you are an insult to girls. Yeah. Oh man. You are an insult to five year old girls. If girls existed, obviously, Jim. Yeah, but they don't. Right. Not at five, they don't know if they're girls or boys. They have no idea, and right. that would be wrong to assign a sex or a gender. Oh, many of them have a, quite an idea, Glenn. And if one tells you that they happen to be a girl when they, you might think they're a boy, then they are a girl. Thank you. Well, I don't know what sex this guy has uh, chosen, but he's chosen um, uh, to be a complete and total wuss. The only reason why your shoulder would be uh, bruised is because... You held it wrong. You held it wrong. Moron. You didn't pull it up to your shoulder, jerk. <laughs> and and PTSD, you want to talk about an insult to our soldiers and people who have PTSD. That's like that's like going to the bar and having one drink and 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 you've never had a drink before and so you get a little tipsy and the next day you're like, "I was an alcoholic." <laughs> Just a little while ago, I went through alcoholism. But I'm sober today, and I'm going to keep working the program. Shut up. Embarrassing. Totally embarrassing. But I think that the majority of people, for instance, Tanya and I, you remember this. You remember this, Stu and Jeffy. You were with me in Tampa. Remember when we had our first death threat? Oh, those were the days. Oh, remember <laughs> it was just like they were noticeable still? <laughs> like, oh, wow. Oh, my God, it's a death threat. Now right. it's like, oh. now you Now on our refrigerator door, we have the, the, the scrolling pictures of all of the pursuers so my kids get to see their faces and they just know, oh, don't, if you see that guy, tell daddy or security. <laughs> oh, in the days when it was only one person trying to kill us. And you remember... Tanya did not want a gun in the house. She grew up in Connecticut. They didn't have guns. Remember this? Mm, They didn't want a gun in the house. We're going to get dogs. We're going to get dogs. And after we had security living with us, and at that time, we had to leave the state for, what, a month? And we had a broadcast from California without anybody knowing it. We left the state for, I think, about a month um, while the FBI did their thing. And I stayed back. You stayed back. We were like... Jeffy's wearing a Glenn mask. Uh, and uh, <laughs> That's why you wanted me to... Hmm? No. Here. Anyway, so uh, 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 now, after we got the dogs and everything else, we, she was at I, I can't fire a gun. I don't want to fire a gun. It's scary. It's too much. Blah, blah, blah. Now you get her in a shooting range. She's amazing. And she loves it. Absolutely loves it. It's one of the favorite things to do. We go out shoot, and she just she and she creams me. I'm a good shot. She's a really good shot. She feels empowered. She feels good about it. She's not killing anybody. She's but she will take people to the shooting range that have never been to the shooting range. Not people with an agenda like the guy from the where was he? From the Daily, the uh, Daily News. Daily News. Well, I mean, listen yeah, to this. Listen to, listen to his description. The recoil bruised my shoulder, which can happen if you don't know what you're doing. The brass shell casings disoriented me as they flew <laughs> past my face. Oh, my God. The smell of sulfur and destruction made me sick. The explosions... 
like a loud bomb gave me temporary forms of PTSD for at least an hour after firing the gun. <laughs> I was PTSD. anxious and irritable. Oh, my gosh. He had PTSD for PTSD an hour. for an hour. Yeah. Wow. What a sacrifice. I he mean, made. that is pathetic. That's pathetic. Oh, that is... That just shows what a sissy you are. That that's <laughs> doesn't, doesn't prove anything about the AR-15. Dirt. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. First of all, you, that's why you're wearing ear protection. Yes, oofball. Yeah. When the when the brass came spraying across your face, yeah, the hey, shell casings. Let, I, let me tell you something. Happened to me when I shoot my AR-15. Well, sometimes it sometimes it once can. in a while it might. Sh- yeah, it'll. It, that's why you're wearing glasses. One yes. reason why you're wearing glasses. If you think that's bad, wait until it gets caught when it's boiling hot and it gets caught behind your glasses and burns your eyelid. Or my favorite goes down the back of my shirt. Then you'll really love it. <laughs> Get over it. There's been a little explosion in that brass, and it's hot, and it's going somewhere. Get over it, man. That's part of it. And then, and then, I I was putting I was putting the bait on the hook, and the hook went into my finger a little bit, and I I I, I cradled myself for an hour. And it bled. Well, I mean, it bled. The Daily News is pathetic. They're they're. they're front page the day after the shooting was like thanks nra i mean they are the most dishonest media organization so this side of breitbart so bad uh so i mean i i don't know at this point why anybody listens to them obviously they sent this guy there with an agenda i think they're just as dishonest as breitbart i don't think they're any more dishonest he says even in semi-automatic they're just on the they're just on the other side but they're just as this dishonest. side of breitbart i think breitbart's more dishonest Oh, I do. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying, yeah. This, this, side, this side, the. Okay, all right. I'll give you that. side. Yeah. All right, good. <laughs> yeah, okay, I agree with that. But I don't think that they're more dishonest. Oh, God, no. Yeah. I, I mean, you can't go lower than zero when it comes to a, an honesty scale. But you've got to give Breitbart an A for effort on trying because they are trying they to are go tr- lower they than zero. They are testing that they law are of physics. That law. Can you go lower than zero? You keep it up, boys. You keep it up. And now this. You bought a timeshare thinking you'd get uh, the location that you wanted. Think again. Did you read the fine print and learn your kids are going to inherit it? Isn't that great? Hey, kids, you know what I've done? I've given you something where you can inherit it and you can pay all the fees for it and not get the vacation you wanted. Yay! (laughs) You know, because the kids, they love taking vacations where the family did. They love taking vacations where mom and dad, when they were 60, where they used to go. Oh, they love that. Oh, can mm. I, no, let me tell you about the times I've been back to Banff, Canada. Right? Banff? <laughs> yeah. Banff. Yeah, yeah. It's going over and over. Can you imagine if my folks would have done that and I had the opportunity to go back either to Birch Bay and just mm-hmm. live it up on Birch Bay. Or think of this, if you grew up in the East, your parents do. They could have had like some getaway in the Catskills. Mm-hmm. Right. I went to the Catskills as a kid. Imagine. Still game farm, baby. Oh, Imagine yeah. if you could still go there. Oh, yeah. That's close. Oh, Miller again. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> <laughs> great. Don't you start bad-mouthing Phyllis. <laughs> no, I love her. No, no, no. I love her. No. 
She, I mean, she even knows the truth about Joy Behar. <laughs> Correct. I mean, she's bad mouthed. She's like, this woman's so old. And you're like, Phyllis, keep it down. Keep it down. Anyway. <laughs> How did we get there? I don't know. Timeshares. Yes. If you, are, uh, if you have a timeshare and you want to get out of it, you realize there is absolutely no way you got out, but you can get out. But if you have a timeshare that isn't what you thought you bought, the timeshare exit team will get you out. Now, this is a, a consumer protection firm, and uh, they know how hard it is to get out of timeshares, and they're not going to get everybody out. I mean, if you, you know, if, if, if you knew everything going in, like Disney, Disney timeshares, they resell, you can get out of them, and they don't lie to you about them. Um, but there are some that are you know, pretty shady, and you might have gotten into it not knowing what you have. These people do not buy them, they don't sell them, and they don't donate timeshares because all of that still leaves you liable. These people get you out, and they have a 100% money-back guarantee. If they can't get you out of the timeshare, 100% of your money comes back to you. Meet them face-to-face. You're not going into a Holiday Inn, or because that's how you got into trouble in the first place. Go to one of their offices all across the country, or you can just pick up the phone or go online to timeshareexitteam.com. That's timeshareexitteam.com, or 844-321-EXIT, 844-321-EXIT, timeshareexitteam.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennbeck.com. Mercury. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennbeck.com. Do you remember this super classic moment? There are also those who claim that our reform efforts would ensure illegal immigrants. This, too, is false. The reforms, the reforms I'm proposing would not apply to those who are here illegally. Why? <laughs> it's not true. Okay, so just a couple of weeks ago... Uh, the former Department of Justice uh, head, uh, Eric Holder, said somebody should have slapped him down for that. Yep, told him to sit the F down. Yeah, that's what he said. Hey, that's Eric Holder two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. He was, he, how dare you say that about the president? Somebody told him, should have told him to sit the F down. Update. Governor Jerry Brown, a Democrat, has signed legislation that attempts to allow people in the country illegally to purchase insurance through covered California. Oh, no way. Yeah, without... No lie! (laughs) No, I don't. don't. You are. You're a liar. (laughs) Without costing... Why don't you just sit the F down? Uh, so they, they are barred from the insurance exchanges, but Obamacare allows states to apply for a federal waiver if the a federal government doesn't have to pay. You liar! You lie! You lie! Sit the, the F, F down! down. <laughs> <laughs> and someone did it. All right, good. And it works. And it works. <laughs> it Look, he's sitting right I was now. sitting before, though. Oh, well. Liar. Liar. Shut the F up! Mercury.
Welcome to the program. Oh, my goodness. What do we have? Of course, we have a gun problem in America. That goes without saying, doesn't it? I mean, we've got a serious, serious gun problem uh, in America. Howard Stern had an epic rant uh, on this. There is a great... We've got to get the Judge Napolitano in defense of self-defense, where he says... The most of the mass killings by gun in the United States, Columbine, Virginia Tech, Aurora, Newtown, Charleston, San Bernardino, and now Orlando, took place in venues where local or state laws prohibit carrying guns, even by those who are lawfully licensed to do so. The government cheerily calls these venues gun-free zones. I think we should be calling them killing zones. About How true that is. Thank you, Jeffy. I appreciate the commentary. How true that is. And by the way, our heartfelt uh, uh, thoughts and prayers go out to the um, uh, the uh, Minister of Parliament who lost her life this week at the hands of a killer who stabbed her and shot her three times. It was somebody who was mentally ill who got their hands, wait a minute, on a gun that have been banned in Great Britain for years. How did a mentally ill person get their hands on a gun when no one can buy guns in Great Britain? Strange, isn't it? It's almost like even the mentally ill can find their way towards a gun when they really want to kill someone. Steven Crowder has a lot to say, and he joins us on this right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Steven Crowder, guy who uh, is uh, responsible for louderwithcrowder.com and some great comedy and great commentary on Louder with Crowder. And I will say, um, we have a new way of counting the friends uh, that that we really trust. And uh, it is whether you took a very bold stand here in the last six months and you never blinked. Uh, And uh, Steven Crowder, who has an awful lot to lose, never blinked, not once. And uh, quite honestly, we look at those people, and maybe you're different, but we look at those people as, okay, when a real battle starts, I know who I can trust behind me and beside me because they're going into battle with privilege to have Stephen Crowder on the program. How are you doing, Stephen? Well, thank you. It, I, I feel uh, slightly awkward because I had like some inappropriate uh, juvenile jokes here, and you gave that introduction. <laughs> and, no, uh, we're not. No, you know, can transition. Right you it up with behind me, and I'm just going, no. well, now I have to be more grown up, so no, I'll let you, you take the floor. No, we really, we don't want to be, we don't. We want you, we, we want you behind us making crass jokes. That's what okay. we really want. Yeah. Okay, so, that's fine. I can do that. I can be like the drummer who goes into battle who's completely unarmed to get shot by friendly fire once they're tired of his music. <laughs> right. How? I, I, honestly, can we just go here for a second? You bring this up about the drummers. I mean, was that just the, was that just the thing that you were like, come on, man, don't make me the drummer? I mean, well, you didn't have anything to protect. You were dead. 
Yeah, first of all, be- you're the one making the music. You're not sneaking up on anybody. You're the first no, guy they look for. You're just yeah. setting the beat for your own death. It's the exact <laughs> opposite of music class, where you had to pick your instrument, and there were only a few drums, and you knew that. And you know, you knew that final exam was easy, so everyone wanted the drums or the triangle, but you got stuck with the oboe. I got stuck with the oboe, and my teacher broke my my reed midway through the year and said, "You're done. I'll give you a passing grade of 60. Do you want to take it?" I said, "Sure." I knew there was no way I was passing with the oboe. <laughs> I guess it's the opposite on the battlefield. It's amazing, though, the left's uh, proposed policies to turn the entire nation into all drummers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so we can all walk out on the field yeah. and just be the drummers. <laughs> Some of us can play the fife. Right, yes. Right. <laughs> or carry the flag, but no guns on the battlefield. <laughs> so what do, you think no, about, what do you think about what's been going on this week? It's been a really rough week. You, you know, it's been a really rough week, and we've run into problems with stations and, and uh, sponsors, as, as some people pro- people have experienced this on the right, because right away we're making jokes. And people go, oh, this is offensive, it's in poor taste. They go, hold on a second. I announced that my father had cancer on my show and hosted a cancer joke contest. And my dad was so touched, he sent a letter of thank you, because that's how we process information. Of course, you have your thoughts and your prayers with the family. And you know why uh, humor is important? You know why laughing is important? Because the left pivots so quickly, so quickly, and I, I have a tendency, I don't know if anyone else uh, listening is like this, to get angry. And when Islamic terrorism isn't addressed at all, we've pivoted to gun control. And what's so crazy, Glenn, is you, Samantha Bee and Conan O'Brien and Stephen Colbert Right away, they're talking about gun control, saying, I don't know anyone who would need this kind of a gun. First off, they got the gun wrong. Secondly, all of their security guards have it. And something that really struck me, Glenn, Samantha B, we'll talk about it on the show this week, said, uh, until Americans realize this is not the price they have to pay for freedom. I'm going, hold on a second, hold on a second. The price you have to pay for freedom. I hope conservatives understand this, too. I hope conservatives are honest, Glenn, because when they say, oh, good guy with a gun would have stopped them. You know what? Maybe not. You know what? Conservatives need to be honest and say, hey, sometimes it is the price of freedom, unfortunately, that bad people do bad things. You can't entirely control evil. And you know what the price of non-freedom is? Record rape in Sweden. Record sexual assaults at German music festivals. People in the U.K. being jailed for singing Kung Fu fighting because it's being filed as hate speech. And what's our price for freedom? Yeah, we have some horrible mass shootings, and those people should be buried beneath the prison. We also have lowering crime rates. We also have... Uh, modern technology, the likes of which no one could ever see. Not to mention, we also ended slavery, and we created the modern technological and industrial revolution. So yeah, there is a price of freedom, and the entire world benefits. And what I am so tired of is the... Because I come from one, Glenn. I come from a silly, crappy culture that is Canada that was always trying to tell the United States how they should live their culture while they benefit from America's... Let's be honest. America's culture was inherently founded... Let me, let me be very, 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 very key here on justifiable homicide against people who never gave their people the right to bear arms, against an oligarchy, against a monarchy, who never gave their people a chance to fight back. So I want conservatives to be honest as well and say, you know what? We can do everything we can, but we can't entirely eliminate evil. And so we err on the side of freedom. Let's not reduce this to a good guy with a gun, because we know, you know what? That's, That's not true. Sometimes a good guy with a gun isn't enough. But when we can't contain everything, when we can't control everything, I want to err on the side of freedom. I know sometimes it's offensive in the wake of these tragedies, but we've got to be consistent. You can't. You know, I don't know if you heard this, but who was it? Joe Manchin that came out this week and said, we are, the real problem in America is this due process. That's what's killing us. 
due process, the process that is due to you through the Constitution? You mean that you should have a warrant, there should be some evidence, that you can face your accuser, that you can have a jury by trial? That's the problem with America? Yes, that's clearly the problem, though I would have specified glee. Um, the horrible Steven. program. That's where I was getting at, Glenn. It's a yeah, bad I, know, show. I, I got it. I, I got it. Um, uh, you just me... don't know how much he loves Glee. That's the problem. With right. Oh, I am fully with you, Stephen, but Glenn has a very soft spot in him for Glee for no apparent reason. No, I could explain it. <laughs> no, I don't I want you to explain it. it. I haven't watched it in years, but I could explain it. Um, but I'm not going to, because neither of you are worthy of that. <laughs> that soft spot still exists, so, though. So, 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 let me ask you this, Stephen. Um, when it comes to uh, when it comes to people saying that we need to take the guns off the streets, and they yeah. claim that you know this is this is a sporting nobody needs this for hunting, and we say it's not about hunting. The the Second Amendment is about defending yourself against an out of control government. And they say, that's never going to happen. And yet, they won't vote for Donald Trump for many of the same reasons I wouldn't. But they think he might be a fascist. Wouldn't that be a case that maybe they should also have a gun in case he turns into what they think he is? Well, you're also talking about people who uh, believe that police are the only ones who should have guns uh, in a system that is inherently violent, racist, and corrupt. So, I mean, listen, logic isn't necessarily their strong suit. I know that sounds like a a typical red meat buzz phrase. Here's one thing, the beautiful thing about the Second Amendment, and that's why you need to focus on that issue first um, before we get off into capacity. It's it's really easy to rebut that it was for muskets. You say, no, no, hold on a second. Gatling gun, Girondoni air rifle, Polko gun, pepper box revolver, and uh, a private letter of Mark and Reprisal giving people permission to have cannons, okay? They knew about all these high-capacity weapons back then. They liked them. They were fans. They were probably target shooting with them when they could. They just weren't mass available. So that's easy to rebut. When it comes to the Second Amendment, here's what's so wonderful about it. Kind of like the Bible versus the Quran. Um, the Second Amendment, when taken very literally, is clear. Shall not be infringed. But then sometimes leftists try and say, for example, with the Quran, well, context. Okay, well, when you take the Second Amendment contextually, when you look at more documents, when you read more from Madison, Jefferson, uh, it becomes even more clear where they were saying, no, 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 hold on a second. We have said arms specifically because this won't be infringed. It's for everybody, period. No free man will be stripped of it. When you look at the private letters, the more context you provide, the stronger it gets. And that's why you're seeing the left today pivot to, yeah, but these were a bunch of old racist white guys, and uh, we can uh, ratify, we can put in another amendment. The truth is, they've tipped their hand here. And Glenn, here's something that's so important. Right? If people are listening, um, this, is, this is not a joke. I've told people this. If you have a birthday coming up for one of your relatives or your friends, legally, of course, and if they are responsible, purchase them a firearm. Here's why. When they receive the firearm, they will have to go to their local FFL dealer and file the paperwork. The beauty of the Second Amendment and why it's a winning issue right now, gun rights, is for someone to watch Hillary Clinton, for someone to watch Barack Obama saying gun show loophole, no background checks, the only thing it requires for them to call BS to say I know they're lying is if they've ever purchased a single gun in this country because they've gone through the process. So people out there right now, if you're listening, if you know anybody who hasn't gone through the process, Help them go through the process, and they'll never believe the leftist lies in it again. I've seen it in my life with five Wow, we should buy guns, guns for people on the left. 
Mm. We should buy guns so they have to go to the dealer and go through the process. I love that idea. I I'm, love I'm, that it idea. It sounds like Hang I'm on. joking. I am absolutely not. No, I, uh, no I'm, I'm serious, too. L- l- let me ask you this one last question. Stu, can you look this up? I think it was 91 people were killed in Chicago over the weekend. It was like yeah. it was yeah it was like a crazy bad weekend. Now maybe that number maybe that was for the month, but I think it was the weekend in Chicago. Crazy bad weekend in Chicago. Right. The president gets onto a plane with Joe Biden and uh, uh, Marco Rubio, flies down to Orlando to visit with people. I haven't seen him in Chicago visiting with the ki- people who were killed with guns. On the streets in Chicago, not making any deal about that every weekend. 30, 40, 50 people killed in Chicago with guns. He doesn't right. seem to care. And when that plane yesterday touched down on the tarmac of Orlando, the only thing I could think of was, did he touch down and go to uh, Fort Hood when the, when the people were killed in Fort Hood? Did he go no, and well- did he comfort those people? No, it's a, well, it's a good point. Um, you're talking about a guy who invited Clock Boy and, and not uh, American War Heroes. So yes. let's not try and act as though we're surprised. Yeah. Um, when Chris Kyle you know, died, he never or- even called. Right. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Um, I'd avoid Orlando. I'd cut it a wide swath right now, if, if only for the Gators. I think they're soulless killing machines, and I don't care if we destroy the Apex <laughs> Predator. That's all I hope. Listen. If you actually remove Chicago and Baltimore, those uh, statistics, um, the whole mass shooting statistics changes drastically because you remove a significant amount of gang crime that's almost completely unfettered there. Detroit would add to that list, but it's such a crappy city that's been under Democrat rule since 61, there's no one left to kill. So all all the crime goes goes outside of the city. You're seeing, like, crime in areas of Gross Point and people where you're going, what, really, Gross Point? I saw Gross Point. This is is real? Yeah, so Detroit would contribute to that, too. But you see these cities, another problem they have is mass exodus. People are leaving. It's a very simple point, Glenn, and and you're correct. But here's the thing. You have so many people on the left right now, and and I know it's maybe because I'm, 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 uh, uh, I guess I hang around with more leftists just because of my age group. It's harder. They're not as wise. They genuinely think... Semi-automatic means you're, you're carrying a full, you're carrying the Gatling gun on the back of a stagecoach. Right. That's what they think yeah. it is. They Again, don't understand what a semi-automatic is. Education needs to take place first, and that's why I say just get someone at the range, get last, them going through the process. Yeah, La- thank you very much, Stephen Crowder. Louder with Crowder.com. Get to know Stephen. Stephen Crowder. Louder with Crowder.com. One last thing I want to say. Um, yes. When when we did, I did a, sh- a show two days ago where I had a semi-automatic. The gun they claimed that he had in the, in the bar, mm-hmm. I had two fully automatic weapons with silencers or suppressors on them and a, a gun that was actually used in the biggest massacre in American history because it is not uh, in Orlando. We did that. It was a five-minute segment where I explained the difference and showed you what it was. Since when have you ever seen any TV show ever show those weapons and explain how they work because i've never seen it when have you ever seen a tv show with a quasi celebrity holding a gun where it could be easily taken out of context and look at he's got waving these guns around during the week of the largest massacre and no one picked that story up we put it on all of our platforms no one that we saw picked that story up should have been everywhere. You know why they didn't spread that around? Because we made the point. 
They don't right. want education. Stephen, thank you very much for your, uh, for your participation. Louder with Crowder.com. Now this. Uh, the Fed said at the beginning of the year, if you remember, they're not liars. They were just wrong. Um, they would gradually increase the interest rates throughout the year. They promised, super promised, pinky promised. The only problem is the economy wasn't growing. Exactly what we said they cannot do this or it will collapse the economy. So now they say they're probably, most likely, going to leave the rates alone. Well, Germany just moved the rates to zero. Japan is at, what, 1.7 below zero? That means if you buy a bond for $100 in 10 years, you're going to get about 98 bucks back. Oh, well, that sounds like a deal. This thing, especially with Brexit, is that next week? Yes. Especially with Brexit, if Britain exits the euro, all bets are off. We don't know what's going to happen, but I'm telling you we're headed for trouble. Please, find out about Goldline. Find out about their purchase program. They've got the greatest loyalty program. If you've ever purchased anything from before... Call them, get in touch with them, and ask them about their new loyalty program. It's really good for you. Call 866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. Learn more about the Purchase Plus program, their exclusive bullion coins, and the important risk information. 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. is the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, Omar Mateen. He was in a documentary, 2012. This is the killer. He was in a documentary on BP oil spill. Now listen to this. This is Undercover cameras to see if she could pry more information from BP's night crew. Morning. Morning. Do you have a badge? No, I'm actually just wondering what's going on here. Oh, it's for BP, like the oil spill. Is there any way that I could talk to any of the people that are out there working? Like, uh, there's people out here, but they're all scattered all over the place. There's no one really to talk to, like, any, like, supervisor. No one gives a No one gives a here. Like, everybody just gets out to get paid. They're, like, hoping for more oil to come out and more people to complain so they'll have the jobs. Because once people get laid off here, it's going to suck for them. They want more disaster to happen because that's where their money-making is. Yeah. It's all about the money, right? All about the money. Exactly. Holy cow. This guy sounds like a pro-American guy. I believe so, he was working for BP. for BP. Yeah, he was getting paid yeah, by, BP, by BP, and he's saying that everybody out there is just trying to make more money from BP. Yeah, and the, the, this is an anti-BP documentary, obviously, and um, it's, it's a little tough to tell how much they edited it. Because it, it seems like in that conversation, he goes right to the talking trash about his employer. Doubt it. it do, you don't know if he kind of eases into it or not. But the bottom line is, I mean, that's, you know, someone's paying you to do a job and do security. And you come out and you're just trashing them to just a person who just drives up with a camera. Um, it was a little, it may have been a hidden camera. But still, either way, you shouldn't be doing that. So how would you feel if you were at home on Sunday and you made this documentary and you were like, oh, my gosh, that's the security guy who was making our point for us. 
we were on his side. We couldn't believe we got somebody who was on our side. Yeah. They're th- I mean, the documentary people were probably thrilled to have this person speaking for them. I bet that's changed. Oh, I yeah, bet I mean, it has. I don't know. Uh, I think there's a lot of people on the police. left that don't care. They don't care. They're, they're, not, they're not anti-Sharia law. They don't ever fight against that. I mean, I don't think anybody wants uh, the spokesman for their cause to be Omar Mateen at this point. No, no, no. I'm not saying that, right. you know, right. I'm saying a, a Sharia law guy. Now, a mass murderer, yes. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. We are so glad that you uh, tuned in uh, today. I, I, I want to share something that I shared on television last night. If you missed last night's episode with the audience, it was it was really good and uh, uh, and and funny and educational. You d- you don't want to miss it. Um, but I, I spent a few minutes last night on something that happened this week here in uh, at, at the Mercury Studios. Um, Brad, who uh, works with us. Um, He's done television for forever. Uh, he was on uh, uh, DIY, yeah, DIY uh, or DIY, DIY yeah, yeah. Um, channel for a long time. He's a you know he's a home improvement kind of guy, and he works with us on the television side. and And he is just he's got the shop in the back, the studio shop, and and he's always fixing things and building things for us. And um, uh, lately, because I'm a magic guy. Uh, and I grew up, you know, doing magic and everything else and just love it. Lately, he's been showing, he's been going on um, the uh, Internet and just and buying little old tricks, mainly from the 1920s and 30s, and then restoring them. So he said to me yesterday, the day before, we were in the hallway, Pat and I, and he said, hey, I want to show you something cool, Glenn. And uh, he said, come to the dressing room. So I said, okay. So we walk in. And it, I walked into the magic shop that I grew up in with as a kid. That I, I, I would go and just look at all the magic stuff and think how someday I'm going to save up and I'm going to buy this. And all the old tricks are there. And, and Pat, it's, it literally is like a different, it's like you're not even walking in the studio anymore. It's a different, it's a magic shop. Yeah, definitely. How, how many tricks? A hundred tricks, you think? Easy. It's, oh, Easy. Eight by eight by eight dressing room easy. and easy hundred tricks and it's floor to ceiling and it's it's all on shelves and he's restoring all of them and it's amazing it's like a history of magic. Pendulette next time he's here he's got to see it he'll he'll be amazed. So I'm sitting there and I said where's the where's the poster of your grandfather? And it's it was sitting I think over by this Houdini poster and uh, and he's got all these old classic posters. And I said, you know, you're finishing your grandfather's life, right? I said, it's really kind of cool. And he said, what? <laughs> and I said, you know, you're finishing your grandfather's life, right? Right? I mean, this is really obvious to you, right? And he said, no, I, n- no. And I just walked out like, okay, who's not thinking about it? But I realized 
I think that's all of us. Now, let, let me explain. So he collects all this magic from the 1920s and 1930s. Well, back in the 1920s and early 1930s, his grandfather was in vaudeville as a magician. And he was killed at the height of his career. He went to a place where they were doing an air show. And this is the old, you know, the old planes, the old biplanes. And um, he had finished one show and he was uh, getting ready to do his other show. But somebody who had a plane promised him he could take him up. He would take him up on a plane. Well, that was a big deal in the 1920s. So he gets into the plane. He goes up. They fly around. He gets out of the plane. It's just him and the pilot. He's like, hey, Bill, I got to go. I got to do my next show. Turns, walks right into the propeller. Oh, wow. Was that stupid? <laughs> That's a thinning of the herd kind of deal. Isn't right. it? Oh, wow, that is sensitive of you. <laughs> is it too soon? <laughs> 80 years oh, Wow. Soon? Was it a new magic? Well, the reason why I know this story is because he started collecting magic, and I said, what's your connection to magic? Why are you collecting this? And he told me the story about being vaudeville, and I said, that is incredible. What was it like? What do you remember from your grandfather? Did he do tricks with you? And what did he teach you and everything else? Because I have a great relationship with my grandfather. And he said, um, he said, no, I didn't know him. And so he told me that he was cut at the, at the height of his career. Now he's collecting stuff from the vaudeville era. <laughs> you know, hello. He came to me later in the day and he said, I didn't even realize that. I, I didn't even see that connection. You're exactly right. That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm like, yeah, you're, 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 it's a salute to your grandfather or you're finishing his life or it's a connection between you and his, and his life. He had never seen it. Now, I'd like to make fun of that because it's al- it almost says on his door, <laughs> my grandpa's magic closet, um, but that happened to me. Remember when I had, remember when the listener, I think she was from like Everett, Washington or Linwood, and she was in like a, a, in a Goodwill store and she opens up this jacket and she sees um, tailor-made, you know, by this men's show, the varsity shop in Mount Vernon, Washington, tailor-made for Mr. Bill Beck. And she was a listener and she was like, oh my gosh, Bill Beck and Mount Vernon, I'll bet you that's Glenn Beck's dad. So she writes and says, I think I have your father's jacket. Here's a picture. Well, it was a picture of a jacket made by my mother. And it was a colonial jacket. It was something that he wore when we started a militia for our town. She sent it to me and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. And I'm seeing it and Tanya was like, wow, are you repeating your dad's life? I'm like, what? What are you talking about? No, I'm not. <laughs> He's like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. George Washington, dad, George Washington. No, no, there's no similarities there at all. And I start thinking about it. My dad was, uh, he was a baker. And uh, he had his own bakery. It was his life's dream to be his own boss, to be his own man. My dad, I didn't realize up until he was about 70 or 80, my dad was kind of a sad sack kind of guy. He was never successful, really successful at anything except baking. He had lots of passions, but he was never really good. And he tried so hard. He tried to be a salesman. He tried to, he wanted to become a, um, a, a minister for a while and he failed at that. 
he failed more than he succeeded. And so he starts his own bakery and it's thriving. This is about 1971, 72, and it's thriving. And he finally has made it. And then the mall comes in and it's this little town, Mount Vernon, and Sears and Pennies were the, they were the anchor stores of downtown. Well, they move out to the mall and immediately our downtown dies. Ghost town. Ghost town, okay? Everybody's to the mall. And I, I remember as a kid, this is 1972, I remember as a kid the people coming over to our house and, and the meetings that we as kids would have to sit and listen to where the people of the downtown, the businesses, they would all get together and they would talk, what are we going to do? Our town is dying. And the main plan was boycott them all. Show everybody how bad the mall is. I remember my folks going, but it's not bad. It's really not bad. If you notice, it's raining outside on our streets all the time, and it's nice at the mall. The Sears and Pennies are not moving back downtown. You're not going to put the mall out of business. That bakery would have smelled nice in that mall. Too. I would have. Don't think ask they didn't talk about that for a while. Cinnabon about that, right? Yeah, no kidding. So, um, so no, you, you, you know, we're not going to put the mall out of business. And they started fighting for the downtown. And my parents' idea, my mother's idea, was. Wait a minute. The bicentennial is coming up in four years. Everybody is focused on, um, you know, America and George Washington and our history. We are Mount Vernon, the home of George Washington in Virginia. We're Mount Vernon, Washington. We have the Skagit Valley River, which the Skagit runs right at the edge of downtown, and it has exactly the same bend in it, right the, the same bend that the Potomac has oh. uh, of, at Washington's house. And on top of it, right at that bend is a garbage dump landfill that was now just a big green eyesore that they didn't know what to do with. And so my mother said, let's make this a colonial town. Instead of being against the mall, let's make our downtown into specialty shops. Let's brick the streets. Let's brick the storefronts. Put in gas lights, right? Yeah. It raised the money to build a replica of, of Mount Vernon there on the Skagit, and we're going to make this a colonial town. That whole thing in my life was not because we loved American history. I had forgotten all of this. Save downtown. It was to save our downtown. Save our businesses. They lost. They were wildly unpopular. My dad was a sad sack. My dad was... Was, uh, was Jackie Gleason in The Honeymooners. He always had a great heart, always tried to do the right thing, but he always lost, okay? So when my wife sees the jacket, she says, oh, not too far from her. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And as I think about it, I am repeating my father's life. I am doing, what am I doing? I'm not trying to save our town. I'm trying to save the country. My, I remember my folks saying, okay, you don't like this idea. Great. Then what's another idea? I don't own this idea. I don't care. Get rid of this idea. What's your idea? Because being against something is not going to solve this. We have to be for something. And only about 30% of the town half-heartedly, you know, I wouldn't even say that. I bet 20% of the town bricked up their storefront you know, put some bricks in, tried to do some cool things, you know, here and there. But it was, it was you know, mismatch. It never really, it, it didn't happen. What am I doing? 
the same damn thing. So after, after you don't think so? Oh, maybe, but minus the bakery. <laughs> okay, well, that wasn't the real important part of the story, but thank you. <laughs> Mind is always on food, the fat one. Yeah, he's, now he's, he's all so, thinking about scones. I know, I know. Okay, so, so what happened yesterday is when I said this, when I said, you know, you're repeating your grandfather's life, and it was an epiphany, I thought to myself, have you seen the, the latest um, uh, research on DNA? came out this week that DNA actually encodes major moments of your life, major impact moments. So in other words, if your mother is abused by her father and has a really horrible experience, that will actually, the the sheathing on our DNA, the coat on our DNA, that will actually imprint on DNA. And then it's passed on to you. And so those experiences, those fears, those joys, those whatever, are imprinted on your DNA. And it's passed on generationally, which we didn't know that before. I'm not saying that this is generational, but with Brad, it could be. But with me, I'm wondering, I'm wondering how many of us are finishing family business or continuing the family storyline without even recognizing it. What has happened with your parents and your grandparents? What was it that was the big drive of their life that maybe without even noticing it, you've picked it up and you're writing that story? You're continuing that tale in your own way without even knowing it. Now this... You want a sold sign in your front yard? I mean, assuming you're selling your house. You, you're trying to sell your house. Get a sold sign in your yard. There's real estate agents that I trust that, you, that will sell your house faster and for top dollar. These guys believe in the same things that you do. They have the same principles. Um, they will treat you not like a number. They are not, they're just not looking for their next sale. These real estate agents are the best in the area. Um, most of them outsell all the other real estate agents combined in your area, um, but they're good, decent people. How do I know? Because they've all been vetted by my team. We have spent about two and a half years on this project, maybe two years on this project. A year of it was in just testing it and trying it in very small uh, batches to see what the results were and making sure it's right. We've just unveiled this. This is my company. It's called realestateagentsitrust.com. Came from a bad experience of trying to sell my house. And then my brother having the same experience. We're like, there's got to be a real estate agent that we could actually trust to treat us right. There's got to be. And we realized in talking to more people, that's exactly, everybody feels that way. I want you to make a good deal, but I need to sell my house. And can you make this a priority? Yes, we can. All of these agents are people who listen to this show, are fans of this show, and have the same values that you have. So it's like working with family without the family part. Realestateagentsitrust.com. When you want to sell your home quick and for the best price, realestateagentsitrust.com. These people will work to earn your business every single day. Realestateagentsitrust.com. 
the Glenn Beck Program. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. To the Glenn Beck program. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we're just having a conversation off air about uh, a show I've never heard of called 30 for 30 that Stu is. is... <laughs> it's a series of documentaries. Um, but yes. You've like never a... heard of. Come on. Never man. heard of. No, it's ESPN, wow. right? It is ESPN. Never heard of it. Um, but the big one they're doing now actually aired on ABC, the first one, which is this O.J. Simpson thing. We've got to do something to stop the estrogen flow in your body. No kidding. I'd like something. to. We gotta do I'd something. like to. I'd like to. That the, my breasts hurt every <laughs> once in a while. I mean, are you lactating? Yeah. You yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, I, but buttermilk. Right. It's okay. really anyway. Anyway. So thirty for thirty. Yeah. So they're doing a big OJ Simpson thing, and I, I've this is legitimately I cannot remember ever seeing a television show with better reviews uh, or a documentary with better reviews than this. Like, people, uh, is it Lefty? I, I I have. I'm only on the first. Uh, you know, I'm a half an hour into this. It's a 10-hour thing. I think it's seven and a half actual hours. Ten so it's hours. already started? Already started. Is it O.J. Made in, in America? America? O.J. Made in America. Okay. And it could be. I, oh, okay. I know that. I think. Yeah. That's, is that the is that the oh. the, 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 the uh, reenactment? No, that was a series. Oh, so there's a okay, series that was a called series. The People versus O.J. Yes, yes. That's what I'm thinking. That aired on FX, which was very good. Right. This is an actual documentary taking you from like O.J.'s college years until today. And that's all they're doing? Oh, I want to see Are that. they focusing on police brutality yes, and all that? there's a lot of that in there. That's why it's... Yeah, the feel of L.A. at the time, racism, cops... So if, that's why. We'll see. That's probably why the reviews are so good, but I'm pretty interested in it. I mean, it's... The O.J. thing is big again. For some reason. The Glenn Beck Program. I just want an answer to this question. We all know that the media has said that Donald Trump is an Islamophobe. He hates uh, Islamic people. He will profile them, etc., etc., etc. Yet at the same time, the media is saying that we we need to uh, have special. Um, how would you describe this, Stu? Special ways to keep uh, some Muslims to profile some Muslims and to. And, uh, and have a list of those Muslims that really shouldn't buy a gun. Wouldn't that be a racist bigot on your side? How, how can you not see that it's the same thing? The blindness of the media and the blindness of the American people is staggering. We have a guy who will help you see the light. Ben Shapiro joins us right now. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. 
entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We have uh, we have been so blessed to be able to uh, to see who the the real patriots are the the people who actually believe in something that are not in it for the glory they're not in it for the money they're 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 in it for the principles period one of the best writers one of the uh, 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 best voices I think in today's um, uh, world of conservatives is Ben Shapiro he joins us now hello Ben how are you hey Glenn hanging in there how are you I'm very good so. Um, can you explain that? How how is the media uh, calling one uh, a, a bigot racist, and then expecting to be able to make a list of Muslims that they don't think should have a gun, and they don't notice that that's really kind of the same thing? <laughs> well, if we asked for consistency from the left, then we'd be we'd be at it for quite a while. I mean, it, of course, this is idiotic. The idea that you can remove somebody's Second Amendment rights without due process of law just by putting them on a list, and of course the vast majority of people on any terror watch list are going to be Muslim, that means you are making a list of Muslims and taking away their rights without due process of law. When Donald Trump said that he wanted to bar Muslim immigration and was misinterpreted as saying that he wanted to deport all the Muslims in the United States or make a list of all the Muslims in the United States, this was the end of the world. How dare Donald Trump talk about making a list of Muslims? They actually want to do it, and they want to pass a law that will do it, and they want to take their rights away without due process. I, my, my favorite thing about, about the leftist version of due process of law, the constitutional provision of the Fifth Amendment, my, my favorite thing about this is that the left says that due process of law means that the Constitution mandates that we allow women to kill their babies, but it doesn't, it doesn't prevent the government from coming in and taking your guns without any evidence whatsoever. Mm. You know, it's really amazing. Do you have the uh, Joe Manchin uh, stuff that we played on yesterday's program about due process? He just said, I don't know if you heard this, Ben. He just came out and said uh, that our biggest problem in America is this. The problem we have, and, and really the, the firewall that we have right now, is due process. Yeah. It's all due process. So we can all say, yeah, we want the same thing, but how do we get there? If a person is on a terrorist watch list, like the gentleman, uh, the, the, the shooter in Orlando, he was twice by the uh, FBI. We were... We were uh, briefed yesterday about what happened but that man was brought in twice they did everything they could the FBI did everything they were supposed to do but there was no way for them to keep him on the next list or keep him off the gun buy list there was no way to do that so can't we say that if a person's under suspicion they should be a five-year period of time that we have to see if good behavior if this person continues the same traits maybe we can come to that type of an agreement this is due a, this process is what's killing us right now due process is what's killing us <laughs> And let's have a five-year period where you have to prove to the government that you can have your constitutional rights. And so even if they put you on there by mistake and then remove you from the terrorist watch list, as they've done with people up to and including Senator Ted Kennedy, then presumably for the next five years, you can't buy a gun. I think at this point, it, it would save time for us to go through the Bill of Rights and figure out which ones the left actually wants to keep. Because it's taking too long for us to go through which ones they want to discard because they don't like the First Amendment. They, they, they obviously they, they want to prosecute. Here in California, they tried to pass a bill prosecuting people for, for backing climate change denial. If you're a so-called climate change denier, they wanted to prosecute you. They don't like the First Amendment freedom of religion. They want to prosecute bakers who refuse to cater to gay weddings and nuns who refuse to provide contraceptive coverage. They don't like the Second Amendment, obviously. They want to do away with that sucker. They don't like the Fourth Amendment, the search and seizure provisions, because they feel like you shouldn't have to have any reasonable 
any, any reasonable limits to search and seizure if they feel like, like searching and seizing. In the Fifth Amendment due process provisions, they don't like it all. They don't like the Tenth Amendment that reserves rights to the state. I mean, so far, the only one that I, I think they really do like is quartering of troops. They're not big on the quartering of troops, but I assume that so long as the troops are, are, are not transgender and they're not trying to quarter in your bathroom. <laughs> uh, but may I say, that even is a fallacy because I think the quartering of the troops in your home in some ways is akin to the NSA being able just to eavesdrop and, and, and really live in your world. They're living in your yeah, virtual well, I mean, world. There's no question that what they want from the NSA is a violation of the Fourth Amendment, but it, it, it's amazing. For, for, it really does demonstrate that for the left, the Constitution is an obstacle to ultimate power. And this is why it's very frustrating. You know, to, you know, Glenn, I know that you've been very outspoken against Donald Trump. I'm obviously also on the same side of that argument. It's one of the reasons why I object to so many conservatives falling in line behind Donald Trump's sort of ad hoc totalitarian view of what government ought to do, because he just doesn't know what the Constitution is. People suggesting, okay, well, we just need somebody who's strong who's going to get stuff done. But it, the Constitution is what protects our rights, and, and you know, right now you may like what Donald Trump is doing, but the, the, you, you knock down all of the provisions of the Constitution because you're loyal to somebody, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, that's not going to end well for you. Well, I tell you, Ben, what, and I think this has been one of the more scary weeks I have seen in the Republican. I don't know if most people feel this way, but to hear the Republicans start to talk about how they want an act of war against um, Islamic extremism, have the White House compromise and say, well, that might not, not be a bad idea, but we want it against all violent extremism, not Islamic extremism, so broaden it up. To hear then conservatives, both on the Hill and the media, Bill O'Reilly was talking about this act of war, and, and comparing it and saying, look, you know, we need more latitude. We need to limit the scope of the First, Fourth, and Fifth Amendments. Because then we'd be able to hold people indefinitely because we're in war. And we would be able to take this burden away from our police and give it to the military inside the United States. And many Republicans are cheering. This is terrifying. I mean, it's frightening. It's frightening. You and I are old enough to remember a time not very long ago when the left was very much opposed to the Patriot Act because they felt that it violated our rights and we wouldn't want to sell it. We wouldn't want to sell our our secure our, our liberty down the river in favor of security. And now it seems like everybody is just consolidating around. Let's do something. Let's come together around something. And so the something that they're coming together around, unfortunately, tends to be a growth of government power. At the same exact time, by the way is they're refusing the, the measures that would actually prevent acts of, acts of terrorism like this. I mean, there, there's a report yesterday that the gun shop, that, that, that this guy approached, this Orlando terrorist, he approached the gun shop to buy body armor, and this is four to five weeks before the terrorist attack. And he was speaking, they said, with a strong foreign accent, and they called the FBI, and the FBI did nothing about it. You, you go back to that Mansion clip, and Mansion is clearly saying there, the FBI couldn't have done more here. Well, we know that Disney World tried to report this, this guy to the FBI, and the FBI didn't do anything. And we know that this gun shop tried to report this guy to the FBI, and the FBI didn't do anything. So instead of saying the FBI might want to be more confident, and then they could actually bring charges against somebody for attempted terrorism, instead of doing that, they say, well, the FBI has to have ultimate power and no evidence. So instead of saying they should have limited power and good evidence, it's they should have ultimate power and no evidence. And we're supposed to trust the government based on this? My favorite argument about this whole thing is basically the left argument. We say, look, one of the reasons behind the Second Amendment, and it's clear in the writings of the founders, one of the rationales for the Second Amendment 
uh, as I've said over and over, is to resist government tyranny. It just is. And the, and, and the left insists that there's no such thing as government tyranny. So you're all crazy. There's no such thing as government tyranny. Now hand over all your guns. <laughs> it's the most self-defeating well, argument ever. But you know what? Not, not only that, because sometimes you just don't see your own, um, your, your own flaws. But they will say, and I kind of feel the same way, that Donald Trump could be a fascist. Donald Trump could be a dictator. Donald Trump could be dangerous. Now hand, all over, uh, hand over your guns. <laughs> they don't believe in government tyranny, but he's a fascist. Uh, right. Now, the, police are, the police are all racist shooting innocent black people, but the only people in American society who shoot guns are the racists who are shooting all the innocent black people. <laughs> right. now, all of this is nonsensical. Is it because, Ben, they don't actually believe any of this stuff? I mean, they're so hypocritical on these issues. Is it just that they're taking advantage of a tragedy, trying to gain control, and moving their agenda forward, but it's not really about whether they believe these things or not. It's just power grabs. Uh, I, I think there's part of that, but I think there's something deeper here. I think that, that when it comes to the American left particularly, there's two wings here. There, there's Trump, and then there's the American left when it comes to the gun grab. And Trump, obviously, has now come out publicly and tried to track the NRA, which, which endorsed him five seconds ago, uh, in what has to look like not the world's brightest decision. But, the, but if you look at the left, I think that what drives the left here is, is the left is very much focused on the idea that what really drives human beings to do things is economic inequality. That what, what, what drives human beings to do, I mean, this is basic Marx, that, that what drives people to do things is their need for security in terms of housing and food and clothing. And then once you give people all of their basic needs, all of their ideological differences sort of recede into the background that religion is the opium of the masses, and so when, when Islamic terrorists kill people, they think they're doing it because they're, because they're Muslim, but they're not really doing it because they're Muslim, they're really doing it because they're poor. And so for the left, they can't acknowledge that ideology is the driving factor in most of human relations, that, that how we perceive the universe, how we perceive the world actually matters, because that would, that would get rid of their solution, because their solution is ignore the ideology, focus on the material circumstance, give ISIS jobs, and then everything's all better. And so what they do is they just ignore the ideology completely, and they say, okay, well, if we're ignoring the ideology, that means that the people who are shooting people, there's only two reasons people would shoot people. One is the gun made them do it, right? It's the instrument that made them do it. If it's not poverty, it's either the gun made them do it, the gun is inherently evil, or they're mentally ill. But it can't be the ideology because we reject ideology as a driving factor in human motivation. And so they're rejecting radical Islam as a possible motivator when it's the only possible motivator here. I mean, it's not enough. The left is trying to claim now, that it's because this guy was an internalized, self-hating homosexual. Okay, there are plenty of people across America who are internalized, self-hating homosexuals who don't go to gay bars and blow away 49 people. There are, plenty of, there are 300 million guns in America and 100 million gun owners, and pretty much no one, as far as I know, has gone to a gay bar and blown away 49 people. So you know, there's, there's another factor here they want to ignore, but because they ignore and because they, they cannot afford to recognize the relevance of religious ideology and ideology generally and why people behave the way they do because it undercuts their solutions, they're, they're relegated to these, these self-defeating idiotic arguments about how it's the gun or it's about how it's Christian conservatives or it's the NRA. They, they just can't acknowledge the truth here because it destroys their entire worldview. Uh, talking to Ben Shapiro. Ben, hang on just a second. I had to take a quick break. Now this. 
Burglaries spike in the summer, so make sure your home is safe. Simply Safe. Right now, Simply Safe has a special security system for you at a special price. Entry sensors, motion sensors, glass break sensors, everything you need to stop criminals from ever touching your home. And Simply Safe is giving you $100 off this package, and it's complete protection for you and your home. You already have an unbelievable deal. Uh, you get $100 off of this. But with Simply Safe, there's also no long term contract. So let's say you can't afford. The $14.99 a month for the 24-7 security, which I say it that way because most times it's $50 or $60 a month. This is $14.99, but let's say you're having a hard time. You can't afford that, but you're going on vacation, you're going to visit some friends or whatever, and you want to make sure your house is safe while you're gone. You call up Simply Safe, you sign up for the service, the end of the month, you cancel the service, there's no contracts. You paid for that one month. You can do that a couple times, three times a year, whenever you're around, Christmas time. You can do it because you're in control. That's the biggest thing. Brand new technology that gives you the power and no contracts. Simply Safe. Go now to simplysafebeck.com. Get $100 off the security package at simplysafebeck.com. This offer ends, I think, July 3rd. It's simplysafebeck.com. Glenn Beck. Did you miss last hour? Download the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and now Google Play Music. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Political commentator, author, talk show host, proudly never Trump, head of the Daily Wire, uh, Ben Shapiro on the uh, broadcast with us. Ben, uh, I said this because I heard this rumor maybe two months ago, and it made sense by what he's doing, what Donald Trump is doing, um, that he is going to start his own television network. Vanity Fair just Vanity Fair just came out with a, a pretty good article making the case that's what he's going to do. He's going to start his own. And this whole thing has been about developing the Trump network. Um, well, what do you think my, of that? My, 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 you know, my, my big question is why he doesn't just rebrand Breitbart. I mean, he's already sorry. It's not like there aren't, there aren't enough pro-Trump outlets out there. I mean, the, the idea that, that he has to build his own network. Yeah, look, I think that there are, there are a group of people who love Trump, I think they all have their own media outlets at this point, but it would not surprise <laughs> me in any way. I mean, this is, this is a guy who said, you know, going in, that he was going to spend $600 million of his own dollars on this election cycle. He's instead going to spend $0 on this election <laughs> cycle. I'm not sure that he's a billionaire, right? Neither is Mark Cuban. So it, everything for him is a branding effort. What people fail to understand about Trump in terms of business is you keep hearing he's a master business person. No, he, he's a master He's a master brander. I mean, that, that's what he's great at in the same way that Paris Hilton or Kim Kardashian are, are great at branding. He's not even as good as they are because at least they have the, the wherewithal to put their, their brand only on products apparently that succeed more often. I mean, he puts his brand on pretty much everything from dog crap to water. So you know, the, the fact that he, he thinks that he can make this into a marketing opportunity, it just shows you that, that it was all about him originally. It's all about him in the end. And, of course, that's true. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that anybody should be surprised. Ben, when when you see, because my sources on Capitol Hill are telling me that 
even the guys who, you know, were standing up for Donald Trump and the establishment saying, this is great. They're all now seeing the polls and saying, there's no way this guy is going to win. This is a bloodbath. And they don't now they're starting to say somebody should have done something earlier. Uh, And they are expecting a bloodbath. And the GOP is starting to um, just worry about the under ticket. What are you hearing? And, and you know, I'm hearing the same thing. I'm I'm hearing tremendous unrest about what's going to happen down ticket, because not only does he have no coattails, he has negative coattails. I'm talking to congressional candidates right now are trying to figure out how do I handle this guy? I mean, it's possible that they do better if they go never Trump in their own elections, because in, on the local level, he's so unpopular. If they, if they say, I'm not for Trump, and I'm, I'm not going to defend every crazy thing that comes out of his mouth today, they're better off than if they say, I'm for Trump, and I'm not going to defend every crazy thing that comes out of his mouth. I mean, look how awkward Paul Ryan looks lately. I mean, he looks more awkward than he did in that in that photo shoot where there was weightlifting with a backwards baseball cap. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's the most awkward thing to watch Paul Ryan these days, because you know Paul Ryan hates this. You know Paul Ryan doesn't believe anything yeah. that Donald Trump is saying. But yeah. he's out there every day kind of sighing and, and having to nod along because he thinks that it's going to maintain his House majority. And my viewpoint is that the House Republicans would be better off just saying, look, you know, the voters chose, but that doesn't mean that we have to back this guy. And it's more important for us to keep the House majority no matter what. If we lose the House majority, there's no check on anybody. There's no check on Trump. There's no check on and, he, and he's And he's coming out now. I mean, he came out yesterday and said, uh, back away. I don't need you. In fact, it might be better for me. I don't need the Republicans in Washington. Uh, ben, well, I, I think say- there's, there's some of that. You know, I think to that, I think there's some of this. You know, you can't you can't quit your right. fired routine. Right. Ben, what do you say to the good conservative voter who's looking at this? They didn't want Trump, and they're sitting here saying, "Now it's Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. What the hell do I do? I yeah, can't. I, have I can't have Hillary. I mean, there's a lot of good people." who really don't like Donald Trump, but they're like, I can't have Hillary. She is the worst. Yep. I mean, I, so, so, here's the, so here's my argument on this. I totally get that. And, uh, and in spirit, I'm with you. Hillary Clinton is, as I've said before, this election is between the spawn of Satan and the Antichrist. I mean, this is the, this is the <laughs> worst election ever. <laughs> I hate, and I'm saying that as a Jew. I hate this election so much. It, it's the worst thing ever. Okay, that said... There's a, there's a position you can take and still vote for Donald Trump that is a decent position. That position is Donald Trump is an absolute turd sandwich. I'm not going to defend anything that's bad that he has to say. I'm not going to stand by and I'm not going to pretend that it's good. I'm just going to keep saying over and over and over, Hillary is going to be worse. Right? Okay, that I understand. I still think it's insufficient. I think you're going to be tarred with the brush of Donald Trump from here to the end of time. But I think that's at least arguable. And I, and I have a lot of people that I know and respect who, who have this position. I think that, that there are people who are, and I've noticed, by the way, a big division in the conservative community between people above the age of 50 and people below the age of 50. People above the age of 50 are on this side of the argument, right? The, the next four years are the only thing that matters. So if, if Hillary is elected, the country's over. If Trump is elected, the country isn't over. And it's that simple a dichotomy. It's that simple a decision. On the other side of the aisle, I think that people who are younger than 50 get that there's a longer time horizon than the next four years. And what they're concerned about is, is this. One of two things is going to happen in this election cycle. Either Donald Trump gets his butt handed to him, either he loses by, by 10 million votes and he gets destroyed and it's the worst blowout since Goldwater in 64, in which case all of the Republicans are tied to the <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man, we're out of time. Program. Sorry, we're out of time. Back in a Mercury. minute.
Beck program. <laughs> Sorry, we had to, had to hold Ben Shapiro over. We just couldn't get the last word in with him. Uh, and, and what he's talking about is th- there are two things that are going to happen uh, in this election. And, and Ben, we have a couple more minutes here, so, so go sure. ahead and start at the beginning. Right. So, so basically, if you're younger than 50, here's sort of what you believe about Trump. One of two things is going to happen in this election. They're going to get absolutely creamed, in which case all of the people falling behind him and defending all of his stupidity have crippled the Republican Party for the next 20 years because they've shown that they're willing to back somebody as bad guy, as, as terrible the things he says and acts, the, the person who, who justifies the white nationalist, white supremacist alt-right. They're willing to back that and lose, and so that cripples us for the future, or he wins. And if, if he wins then this becomes Donald Trump's party. The Republican Party becomes the party of nationalist populism, a non-conservative party having nothing to do with the Constitution. The Republicans just follow Trump where he's, where he's going to go. And at that point, there's no coming back from that. The conservative movement has basically been hijacked and taken over. The, the analogy that I use here is that Barack Obama took the country from 30 to 90 toward a cliff. Hillary Clinton would take it from 90 to 120 toward a cliff. Trump would take it from 90 to 100 toward a cliff, so not as bad as Hillary, but he'd rip out the reverse gear. There's no way to come back. Once, once he's in the car, once he's taken over the car, the conservative movement becomes the Trump movement, and we become a battle. Every election now becomes a battle between the European populist right and the European left. We're now Europe. Do you believe, I, well, I don't think anybody else can do the populist thing that he, he, he has done, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I've been wrong so far on all of this. Um, do, you think, do you think that um, uh, he, because he doesn't like losing, that's the one thing he doesn't like, um, even though he has done it, he doesn't like it. I think he well, got the into this. Like, so just, to, just to correct you briefly, the, the, the only other thing he doesn't like is his wife after 10 years of marriage. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> so um, uh, he doesn't like to lose. So he and and the the indications are now at eleven, twelve points behind in in the polls, uh, and and going in the wrong direction. And his negatives up at seventy plus percent, the highest of all time. It's not looking good for him. I'm being told by people on the hill. Who, who are watching the people who have been his cheerleaders, they are full-fledged panic right now, saying he's going to lose by double digits. Um, how, does he, how does he spin this, if that indeed is what happens? What, what do you, is he going to just blame it on people like you or people like me? Uh, does he get out early? Yeah. What is it? Because, for instance, no, he, I, was I, I, in da- he was here no, in Dallas. Cool. He was here in Dallas yesterday, and why is he in Texas? You don't need Texas. Texas isn't going to vote for Hillary. Why aren't you in the swing states? Yeah, well, I mean, unfortunately, he may be turning Texas into a swing state. But, I, you know, I think that what you say is exactly right. If he loses big, then he has no capacity but to blame people other than himself. The man has no capacity for self-reflection. So that means he'll blame you. He'll blame me. If he loses big enough, he won't be able to blame anybody. People are just going to recognize that it is what it is. Yeah, then, then he blames the American people and says they just weren't ready for my kind of truth. He blames the media, right? I mean, he'll always find somebody to blame. The real question is whether his followers recognize that this was a mistake if he, if he really loses badly. If they don't, we're going to have to fight this battle all over again in four years with presumably somebody else who picks up this populist banner. I agree with you. I think that he's a unique character. I'm not sure that anybody else can pick that up. If he's president, then he can do this for eight years, and that gives you know time to actually build a movement. If he loses, I think that the, the Trump movement... Peters out, and I think a lot of the people who have backed this stuff to the hilt, 
Uh, I think there, there's going to be a little bit of political hell to pay for the people who, who said that he was going to be the, the God King savior of, of the right. Ben, uh, it is always uh, great talking to you, and um, we have tremendous um, uh, respect for what you've done and the stands that you have taken. Uh, we know the beatings that you take. Um, we've we've seen some of them kind of uh, close uh, by as well. Um, uh, and it and it takes it takes yeah it takes great courage to do what you've done, and and we have tremendous respect. So thank you very much for being on the program. Well, as always, I appreciate it. It's an honor. Thank you. Ben Shapiro, um, good guy, good guy. One of the smart, really smart guys. And you know what? This really is a blessing of this. We do know who means it and who doesn't. We know, we see the beginnings, the founders of the new conservative movement. We really know who they are now. It's, I mean, it's like what happened in the 1960s. Conservatives were all kind of bland, and then there was that moment in the 1960s where Reagan and Goldwater and everybody stood up and said, no, this is what it means. And in 15 years, the conservative movement was back on track. It's just going to take us 15 years to get there. You see National Review and um, their Trump lineup for the Trump television network? I absolutely, who here, does anybody disagree that that's exactly what he's doing? I think that, at the very least, is his fallback plan at this point. Probably was his plan at the beginning, um, to build some big brand like this and, and, mm-hmm. and build a TV station. I think at this point, he still thinks he's going to win, which he may. I think so. Uh, he he, he may. Think he's going to win? Oh, I, I think that he thinks he's going to win. How does he, and I mean this sincerely, this is not, um, let's just say he's my candidate. I would be freaking out right now and looking at the polls. It's because remember. Early. These things can change. I know that, but remember. He is a poll guy. I'm always winning in the polls. I'm always winning in the polls. Everybody was saying, all the Trump people, even though it wasn't true, all the Trump people were saying, he's going to win. Look at the polls. He's the only one that can win. He's going to win. He's going to win. He's going to win. Look at the polls. Look at the polls. Some of those are not saying that now. And those polls during the primary uh, wound up being fairly accurate. They predicted him as a winner. A lot of people doubted those polls. They actually were right. Those same polls now are predicting something completely different. And they're ignoring um, them. And they're ignoring them. They're biased, blah, blah, blah. Quick stat before you start this. This is uh, how many times has each presidential candidate polled under 40%? Okay. How many times under 40% in general election one-on-one matchups? Okay. John Kerry, 1.3% of the time. So uh, this is when he's got the nomination or, you know, when he's running. Throughout the general election. The whole general election. He, 1% of the time, polls came back with him under 40%. Right, 1.3% of the time. Uh, George W. Bush in that election, 0.4% of the time. Obama in 2008, 1.9% of the time. John McCain, a disaster, right? John McCain got destroyed in that election. He was under 40% in 10% of the polls. Okay, 10% of the time, he fell under 40%. And that was a disaster, disaster, right? Uh, Barack Obama, 2012... 0%. Mitt Romney, again, got hit pretty hard. Wasn't blown out as badly as McCain. He was under 40%, 4.6% of the time. But still, everybody knew going in, never going to win. Okay. Hillary Clinton, this election, 6% of the time has been under 40%. Again, she's historically unpopular. Not not John McCain. Not as bad as McCain. But but worse than Romney. Worse than Romney. Donald Trump, 30.1% of the time, he's under 40%. I mean, again, polls do change, but never like this. 
uh, at least never in the past. That doesn't mean it can't happen this time. It's still early. You know, an unpredictable event could overnight change these things. But, I mean, the fact that he's doing that this consistently is incredibly worrisome if you want this man to win. I just want you to know, uh, we, we need to prepare for this moment. You know, we've been preparing ourselves. The reason why I think we stood is because we made each other promise, don't hit me in the face if I start going along just to get along and just saying, oh, it's better than Hillary. Hit me in the face. We were all thinking it was Jeb Bush. Yeah. And we made a promise to each other, I will not support Jeb Bush. I won't take that Kool-Aid and drink it one more time. And I think that's one of the reasons, because we walked into that eyes wide open. I just want, we, you know, everybody knows how we feel about Donald Trump. But you know what? It, nothing has happened yet. I just want you to put in your head how hopeless we will be when it finally is election day and Hillary Clinton is the president. <laughs> it's going to be so bad. It's going to be so bad. Oh, it's, that's... Because none of these things, right now, neither of these guys seem real. You know what I mean? It feels like like I feel like he could drop out and she could go to jail. And maybe, (laughs) maybe both of those could happen. I, I mean, don't think so. But I I keep praying for one of those miracles, or both. Yeah, (laughs) both. Yeah. Oh my Um, gosh, Trump drops out. Trump has got to drop out first. Yeah, and then then Hillary goes to jail. Oh, that would be fantastic. And it's legitimate to have. You know, just an ounce of hope that he might pull out of this thing because he doesn't want to lose. Um, like uh, and Stu was saying, he just hates losing so much that maybe he could see the writing on the wall. He can blame it on the GOP. He can blame, can blame it, it on, on the, on the Look, RNC. I don't have time for this. I'm not going to do this. Uh, I'm done. It would have to get really a lot uglier than it would have to get ugly. Now. It would have to be, you know, if he was down by 20, 22. 24, and it was going the wrong direction. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Things don't typically happen in presidential elections today, but look at what I just described. I mean, those things don't happen. It is down by 11 points. And it almost have to happen before the convention. Yes, it probably would. It would have to happen. A two-party system does not typically see candidates poll under 40%. It's very rare, as I just described, and it's happening regularly with this guy. And they've already they've already had major companies oh, uh, pull out of the convention. Uh, yeah, sponsorships big, for the like convention. who? Um, uh, Wells Fargo pulled out wow. of the convention. They're not going. They're not going to do. Uh, they're they're going to do the Democratic one. Wells Fargo is. Some of them are are I'm just backed you, out of both of them. Like get, UPS, I, Motorola, wow. Walgreens. Hang on Ford. just a second. Hang on just a second. Imagine. Wow. Imagine Wells Fargo backs out of the GOP. Donald Trump wins. There's a crisis. You think he's going to help Wells Fargo? That's a one reason. If the banks start backing away from him, that's one reason why he will all celebrate the nationalization of the banks. Because he doesn't forget things like that. No, These corporations, and you know, in some ways, this is a good thing. Um, but these corporations, he won't forget that. No way. He will no. not forget that. No. And and I like the government not wanting to be in bed with any of these corporations a lot. But he's the kind of guy that will help the competitor, not just say, I'm writing all banks off. Definitely. Definitely. But again, think of Inauguration Day, Hillary Clinton. 
Holy cow. That's bad. Friday. All right, it's Friday. Let's go have fun, everybody. Here's our uh, sponsor this half hour. It is Goldline. Here's the good news. The Germans have just made, lowered their interest rates to zero. That's fantastic. Unless you believe uh, that it's a good thing to get money for your investment or you think that, you know, people have so much faith in things that they're not just going to put their money and park it somewhere for 10 years without making a dime on it, but they're so desperate just to keep it safe that they're willing to park it someplace for 10 years without any interest. That sounds good. That sounds like the free market, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Interest rates, the German bonds are now offering no yield. Japan is down, I think, to 1.5% negative interest rates, which means you put your money in the bank or you buy bonds. If you buy a bond, you give them $100, you're going to get $98 back. You're going to lose money for putting it there. You put your money in a bank account, they're going to charge you negative interest rates, which means you lose money every month. This is not going to end well. It's just not going to end well, especially when people... People who have not been listening to talk radio and they've just not been paying attention. You imagine when this starts catching up with the dummies and they're looking at their bank account and they're overdraft because, oh, I don't know, they no longer have the money in it that they thought because they didn't understand what negative interest rates mean. Imagine how betrayed people are going to be. Imagine how mad people are going to be at the banks. Get out of that business. Have something tangible you can actually hold on to Gold, gold or silver, do it right now. Find out right now. Is gold or silver right for me? Goldline, 1-866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Glenn Beck Program. Uh, big story today about the AR-15s uh, flying off the shelves. This happened before, too, when they started doing the, the gun control talk. And then the, the price of an AR-15 went from $700 to $1,800. Yeah, through the roof. Yeah, through the roof. So, you know, uh, you can count on that happening again. Uh, John Kasich was on... Uh, the morning postum show with uh, Buffy and and Jimmy yesterday, and uh, he really took those guys to task. And the media in general. Um, here's here's what he said. How did Trump happen? You know, Jeb announced a year ago today. Well, everybody said the, Jeb- the, the media gave him two billion dollars worth of free press. Right. I mean, I could be having a press conference and they'd have an empty podium with Trump speaking there. I mean, exactly. look, you guys have a lot of responsibility for this. You know it too. You all know it. You know, it, it, you know, one guy, one famous That's network good. executive said, well, you know, Trump may not be good for the country, but he's good for our ratings and we make more money. 
It's see, I think the elites have let us down mm. in a lot of places, and I think you know, two billion dollars worth of free press—you couldn't get enough of. Yeah, was there? Was there? Right. Was there ever a time though where you said you wanted to be on our show where we didn't let I'm you be on our show? I'm not talking about you, Joe. I'm talking no, about but, the but, but, you're, you're not talking about Joe. Are you kidding feeling me? A little bit guilty. Joe Scarborough was among the worst. Joe and Mika uh, asked him what he, what kind of questions he wanted to be asked, and and they, he said nothing hard. And they said, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, we have the audio of that. Yeah, actually, that, that's what inspired Jim Garrity. He wrote a fake um, proposed lineup for the new Trump TV channel. And the, the morning show is Nothing Too Hard with Mika Brzezinski. Which I think is a good... That's <laughs> a pretty good... Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, that is good. I like that. Uh, what are some of the other uh, shows we can expect? On the- uh, you've got... Um, you've got... Uh, uh, 2 to 3 p.m. Great Relationships with the Blacks. Um, which is uh, pretty good. You've got uh, Lifestyles of the Asset Rich but Cash Poor and Famous. Okay. Um, The Real Truth with Alex Jones and Jesse Ventura. Ah. Um, Let's see. Uh, And The Hazards of Duke, uh, hosted by, of course, David Duke. Uh, (laughs) Pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, I think uh, $2 billion. How did Trump happen? Yeah. $2 billion worth of free advertisement. And a bunch of stupid people who liked him. I mean, what are you going to do? This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.